The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for Trek Geeks listeners. Fansets, our pins have character. This episode is also sponsored by Science Division, the makers of the galaxy's first interactive Tribble that you can control with your very own smartphone. See their limited edition giant silver Tribble available for pre-order today at sciencediv.com. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. Hi, this is Armin Shimmerman. I play Quark on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little show this side of the Gamma Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks Podcast with Dan Davidson and Bill Smith. You figure out who's who. Fleet Command Judge Advocate General's Office. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant and the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings to you, listeners from all the quadrants in all the places, and welcome to the Trek Geeks Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith, and this is episode number 293 of the Trek Geeks Podcast. So happy we're here. Um, well, I'm happy that I'm here. I'm about to be really kind of disenfranchised and upset because I have to introduce my co-host. You know... I can only hope that if his brain were removed from his body, that it would be running something appropriate, like, say, a septic tank. Wow. I know. He's the, <laughs> he's the low-powered Dan Davidson. And Dan, um, welcome aboard, buddy. We are here to talk about uh, a much maligned episode. I think you're giving me too much credit with that uh, septic, <laughs> septic tank. tank. Yeah, maybe one of those gerbil wheels, but that's about it. Uh, it's great to be here. Thanks, man. Uh, as always, I, I look forward to your introductions as much as anybody else does. Um, but yeah, 293, we're getting close to 300. Only a few episodes away. I, I've done the math. That seems correct. That does seem correct. Yeah, we are here this week. Um, It's one of my favorite episodes, to be perfectly honest with you. But uh, we are going to, as we like to call it, Defend Spock's Brain. Season 3, Episode 1. One of the episodes that fandom has always said is the worst episode or one of the worst episodes of the original series. Well, not in my book, ladies and gentlemen. I love Spock's brain. And, and uh, Bill, we're going to defend it this week. We're going to talk about it. We're going to have fun with it. We're going to, as we always do, point out the things that are a little silly. But we're also going to point out the things that we love about it. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I knew they shouldn't have recur- reconnected your mouth. That was just a mistake. <laughs> um, you know, I... I understand that Spock's brain is campy, and we'll get into this later in the show, but mm-hmm. um, if if that's its worst sin, it's re- uh, there are episodes that are 10 times worse. 100% correct, and accurate, and in agreement. 
And the children shall lead. Oh boy. Yes. I, I, Mary. Oh, Mary's not a great episode because you get pervy Captain Kirk. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. That's what's that's worse than Spock's brain. Um, yeah, but we'll we'll talk more about yeah. that uh, uh, in the show. Thank yeah, you. yeah, we want to talk a little bit about some some news we have here on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Yeah. Um, one of our shows has decided to uh, step back from podcasting and sort of retire their microphones. And of course, I'm talking about uh, Rewind, our our, uh, our Canadian Star Trek and Wine podcast. Um, featuring Haley and Sarah, um, they've decided to, to to stop podcasting, and then we're we are we are sad because we love Rewind, but we are pleased that our friends are taking necessary steps for them. Absolutely, we have always said that family and life always comes first here on the network, no matter what's going on. Getting in front of your microphone and talking about Star Trek or whatever you're talking about that week is second to whatever's going on in life. And uh, although we would be very sad to not hear the dulcet tones of both Sarah and Haley, whom we love dearly, um, it's for the right reasons. And we are respectful of that. And we wish them the best. And we have not heard the last uh, from either of them, I am sure, uh, whether it be in guest uh, appearances or whatnot, they have already said that they will be back. And of course, they're going to be on social media like they usually are. But um, the, the response that we have gotten from uh, our listeners has been a little bit overwhelming, even for me, and it's not even my show. The outpouring of love that these two women have received over the course of the last several days has been um, absolutely amazing. And I hope that they take that to heart to know just how uh, much appreciated they have been over the course of these years that they've been doing the podcast. Absolutely. Of course, Rewind's episodes won't be going anywhere. They'll still be available right. forever um, so that people can listen to their back catalog. And who knows? I mean, someday we may hear from them on Rewind again. But until that happens, um, they absolutely have all of our support. And uh, we will be here whenever they want to to be here. Absolutely. 100%. We wish them the best. And uh, I'll be pressing that rewind button and listen to some past episodes, I'm sure. See what uh, I did there. Rewind or rewind? Uh, sabotage? Sabotage. You know, <laughs> sabotage. Dan, as always, we want to take a moment to thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Yeah, you got that right, man. And as we are at the beginning of a new month, happy birthday, by the way. Thank uh, you. That means uh, one thing. Well, it, it means a lot of things, but for Fansets, it means new pins, baby. So head on over to Fansets.com right now and check out the new latest pins. The Section 31 Delta in both pin and magnet form is now available. That's right. Show your love for control and universal destruction with your very own Section 31 pin, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and the latest Women of Trek pin is a real beauty, friends. It's Captain and Rachel Garrett. Uh, this is a really nice deep cut for the uh, WOT collection. You get Captain Garrett, you get the Enterprise C, and of course, you get glitter. Now, both of these beautiful new pins are available right this second over at fansets.com. And as a special bonus, Halloween is this month, so you know there's always a chance that some other things are going to be showing up and maybe even some giveaways here on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, just saying. Yeah, and, and what are you waiting for? I mean, these and over 400 other great Star Trek pins are waiting for you over at fansets.com right now so 
you know the drill. Head on over to fansets.com, put that Section 31 pin and the Captain Garrett pin and some other accessories and gift cards in your cart, or maybe even more pins. And at checkout, be sure to enter the special discount code word TREKGEEKS for 10% off your entire order. That's TREKGEEKS in all capital letters with no spaces. And of course, don't forget when you spend more than $30, you'll automatically get free shipping in the United States. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. So Halloween's coming, and that means some pretty special stuff could be coming your way from Science Division. That's right. All this month, they'll be posting their daily Tribble Halloween cosplay photos on their social media. So you'll definitely want to give them a follow to see those. They're just so much fun. Also, (laughs) their Silver Giant limited edition Tribbles are more than halfway sold out already. I mean, at this rate, they could be gone by year's end. And you definitely want to get yours now because once they're gone, no more of the giant Silver Tribbles will be imported from the Tribble homeworld. Plus, uh, hey, did we mention that the Tribbles are interactive? Yep, the Science Division Tribble has its own app that you can use to control the Tribble. It's not necessary, but it is a lot of fun to make them scream at people like incredibly awesome podcast co-hosts. Fret not, however, everyone except Bill knows that. That's right. You guessed it. Here it comes. (laughs) Tribbles are not dangerous. I wish you prepared for everything on this show like you prepare for that line. <laughs> so get your triple today. Head on over to sciencediv.com right now to pick up one of the galaxy's first interactive tribbles for your very own. Plus, while you're there, check out their new and improved shop accessory section where you can get all kinds of science division swag, like mugs or tank tops like Dan wears, or since today or since now we're here in autumn in the US, maybe even a nice warm sweatshirt to keep yourself warm on the crisp fall days that we're having. Aw. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun, and we want to thank our friends at Science Division for sponsoring this week's episode. Hi, Dr. Phil Flox here, also known as John Billingsley. I volunteer for the Hollywood Food Coalition. We serve terrific meals to the unhoused seven nights a week. We assist a hundred nonprofits with their food needs. We work with community partners to address food insecurity in Southern California. If you're in LA, come and volunteer with us at hofoco.org/volunteer. And any Federation credits you can spare go a long way. Well, Dan, we gather to discuss an episode that I think, and this may be true for you, I know it's true for me, that you and I have both kind of had probably a, a change of heart on over the years. Is that fair? Um, I don't know if it's fair for me. I've always okay. loved Spock's brain. Really? I, oh, even as even as a youngster, um, watching the reruns on Channel 56 or when I get the videos on VHS, it's always one of the ones that I love to watch, even though I always heard people saying that it was their least favorite or one of their top three or five least favorite episodes of the original series. I've always enjoyed it. I always hear people describe it as the worst episode of Star Trek. Not even close. And by Star Trek, I mean the original series, not the franchise overall, yeah. because the show's name, after all, is Star Trek. Right. Um, and in fact, I got into that discussion at one point, I think, in Camp Kittimer this week. Right. I saw that. Re- yeah. It's, um, I-, I used to not enjoy it. I'll be, I'll be upfront about that. Oh, that's For the longest cool. time, I was one of those that said it's the worst episode. 
And keep in mind, I've seen like in the children shall lead. I've seen them all. <laughs> um, but I, I think mission log really helped me look at this in a new way because what you have here is some really high concept science fiction mm -hmm. that's maybe told in a little bit campy style. That's one of the things that I love the most about it. There's a lot of stuff that is, I mean, it's science fiction, so stuff can be really out there as ter in terms of, of what they do. But it's done in a campy way that, for me, even though there's so many serious moments in Star Trek and there's so many serious moments in this episode, the campiness just fits perfectly with this one. I don't know if it would fit for other episodes, but for this one, it just fits perfectly. It's a perfect mold to the whole overall um, uh, message in this in this episode. Uh, and I've, I've always just enjoyed it. I've always smiled when I watch this episode. I, I do now. Mm. I'll admit I didn't before. In fact, I used to skip this episode on rewatches. Um, I don't now because I love the hell out of this episode. Yeah. Um, I, I can think of at least three or four episodes that should be classified as the worst episode of the original series. Yes. Um, this is my list. You can talk about the ones that I'm sure you may share some of these. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously in the children show leave, which I think is the absolute worst. Terrible. Worst. Yep. The alternative factor. Second. Um, oh God, I just had it in my head. Um, uh, the last episode, Turnabout Intruder. Oh, okay. not a great, not a great episode, mm -hmm. but it's toward the bottom. I would not put it as the, as one of the worst or the bottom five, but I wouldn't, I would certainly wouldn't put it in the top 20. No. And then a lot of people say the empath. I like the empath, mm -hmm. but it is not a great episode. Yeah. I would choose the empath as one of the worst. And I would also, even though we already talked about it and we had a great time with the wives, I'd put Mary down there as well. Yeah, I would too. Um, but to all those other ones, um, probably all of them except Turnabout Intruder, I would I would agree with you. With Turnabout Intruder is not a favorite, but it's not one that I would skip. Um, maybe I have a little bit of a, a, a small amount of 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 love for it simply because it's the last episode. Even though TOS never got the proper send offs that all the other shows seem to have right. gotten or will get. Uh, little spoiler alert there for Picard season three. Um, but uh, this one. Not even close to being in the bottom of my, it's just, it's just too much fun for me. Well, I have to say that season three of Star Trek is, is so maligned mm -hmm. and there are some really great episodes in this season. There really there's some, are. There's some good camp in this season, which I'm all for. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love Batman 66. I love a lot of those 60s campy type shows. There's some good sci-fi, but there's some good camp in season three, as well as some really great Star Trek. Absolutely, there is. One of the things I love, of course, this is the first episode of season three. It premiered on September 20th, 1968. And of course, we all know their budget was horrifically slashed. They were moved to a new time slot. So we knew that they were pretty much on their deathbed at that point. But there's some things in this episode right from the get-go that are new to Star Trek. Some of the angles of the bridge we yeah. barely ever get to see. Kirk walking in front of that view screen is just an amazing thing that we barely ever saw before season three. And we get a lot of it just in the opening few minutes of this episode. And I think that works and sets the tone for things that we're not used to seeing uh, for the remainder of Spock's brain. I agree 100%. We should point out right at the beginning, as far as episode credits, this episode is written by Lee Cronin, which is actually a pen name for the legendary Gene Elkoon, mm -hmm. who gave us so many great things in Star Trek. Absolutely. Like 
Klingons, like the concept of the Federation, like all of those things. And directed by longtime original series director Mark Daniels. So, I mean, it's not like we had newbies on this episode. Mm -hmm. We had people who took a look at this script and said, yeah, this is the way to do this. And I I like a lot of the decisions they made, like you talked about, like some of these new angles and uh, some new views of the bridge that we weren't really used to. It's interesting to me because um, during the first couple of seasons, if I remember correctly, and also based on our visit to, to sets, that the view screen was not there. They built that front of the of the of the dome of the bridge for season three, I think, for that at least for this particular episode, because that's not added in. That's that's really part of the set that that Shatner's walking uh, in front of. One of the other things that you mentioned is with these veterans that were doing this episode. I think maybe because they had slashed budgets and and stuff like that, that they tried new things and at least in this episode it works and so it shows that the veterans know what they're doing so they can come up with these new things based on money or timing and it comes out looking okay and i don't think this episode would have necessarily worked nearly as well if it were in newer hands quite frankly Mm -hmm. you know by this time gene was long gone from from star trek you know he did not hang around for season three um, Gene Kuhn's script, uh, I'm sure, went through some revisions, but Mark Daniels' direction in this episode is fairly solid. I have to right. give him a lot of credit here. Mm-hmm. There are some interesting choices, maybe not some I would maybe make the same way if, you know, if I were had a director's hat put on my head now, you know, 50 some odd years later. But I, all in all, I think there's some stuff that that is really kind of cool here. Um, when you think of the concept of Spock's brain running an entire society, the, the ramifications of that are, are, are pretty unique. I, I, I sit there and wonder, wow, I mean, you talk about a tap on, or tapping the potential of the brain with humans. What more can Spock do because he's half Vulcan? Exactly. And one of the other things that to, to kind of to kind of go off on that subject a little bit more is we've seen these type, type of things in p- previous episodes of computers running entire societies like Landru right. or uh, in the Apple, stuff like that. But now we're talking about a physical brain actually running everything. And he actually talks about it, Spock, when he's talking through the communicator, which I find is interesting. They have to actually stand next to Spock to get the <laughs> communicator to work. Um, <laughs> but he says that he's, you know, he's pumping blood and he He's, you know, he's breathing atmosphere and stuff like that. And then Scotty comes along with his engineering stuff uh, and talks about how it could be, you know, circulation of air and, and, and running the machinery and stuff like that. It all makes sense because how many times have they said that the human body is just a complex machine? Right. Um, so it, it actually works. There's a lot of great things in this episode that work from a story perspective and a scientific perspective and a science, excuse me, not a scientific perspective perspective a science fiction perspective because some of the science here if dr aaron was working on this episode this episode would never have been made (laughs) (laughs) the thing that really gets me about this is remote control spock (laughs) i mean my favorites (laughs) that's an interesting choice you think it would have been better just to put him in stasis Mm -hmm. but to have him walking around with a little remote control i wish he'd bumped into a few more walls yes to make it a little funnier. Yeah. Um, because this episode doesn't shy away from humor toward the end. Mm-hmm. It could have used a little more in the middle for me. Yes. But it would have been great <laughs> to have him just bounce off wall and have, have Kirk go, oh, sorry. 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 I like I like how he does get his arm caught on a, a branch when he's walking into the cave. And I think it's one of the things that I like the most about this episode is the remote control Spock with the whatever the thing is that he has on his head. But whenever he turns toward the camera, it's a fast close-up with a music and i just 
it just it's he's like Frankenspock, and I think it really works. I think I got to give credit. You know, Nimoy plays a Vulcan with no emotion through so much of Star Trek, but in this episode, he can't do anything except walk and look straight ahead, and he nails it every single scene. It's pretty amazing because there's no brain in Spock's head to control all of the, you know, the autonomic functions, none of that. Why is he blinking? Hence, the science doesn't work, but the science fiction does. <laughs> it, well, it, it, it kind of works. It kind of works, but it works in a fun way. If you suspend the disbelief and, and, you know, figure that Starfleet can just wire up a computer to somebody's head and have their body move around, it's it really puts Weekend of Bernie's to shame. It really does. Um, I, I'd love to have seen Len- Leonard Nimoy playing Bernie in, in that movie, by the way. Uh, Weekend but, at Spockos. Yeah, exactly. Um uh, Right from the beginning, I mean, we're talking about the things that work. We're obviously going to talk about the things that don't work as well. But I think that one of the things that works best, you mentioned it, is at the end, we're to the point in this episode where it's so campy and it's so, this is so not possible. This is ridiculously over the top that the humor that comes in actually fits. The whole, I should have never reconnected his mouth. Um, the whole, uh, let's let's reconnect the finger. Oh, oh, good. Very good, doctor. Oh, the wrist now. Now the elbow. And he's flailing his arm around. It, it just, it's, it's so ridiculous that it's fun. If I could connect one of those remote control things to you, you would be, you'd be so in trouble. <laughs> I would be walking off cliffs. Uh, <laughs> the, the, one of the other funny aspects of that end scene, which is, is just hilarious to think about is there's McCoy after putting on the, the thinker. Is that what they call it? I forget what they call them. Teacher, I think. The, the teacher. Thank you. Um, he's sitting there doing surgery, reconnecting Spock's brain w- through a little hole that Spock's head is fit in, yet he'd never had his hair cut off or shaved off or anything. Right? Perfect. <laughs> I'm not going to put... Talk about not letting a hair get out of place. Because I mean, when he's done, he's like, all Spocko again. <laughs> <laughs> he really is. And it's it's really kind of interesting because uh, even as a kid, I'm watching that going, oh, wait a second. McCoy's hands are nowhere near his brain. What's going on here? You know, you have to figure there's some kind of apparatus that McCoy is controlling where there's some kind of, I don't know, uh, micro laser scalpel-ish mm-hmm. type thing. Uh, it's amazing. But yeah, no scars, no nothing. He sits up and his his hair looks like nothing ever touched it. It's great. And I, I, I don't remember if we see it in this. I may be thinking of another episode, but it would have been cool if he's doing the work and you see little wisps of smoke that would have come out from like cauterizing stuff but yeah i've always been under the impression that he's doing this all with his hands but it's like wow that's that's pretty good when you're talking about millions of because he starts freaking out about millions of them but he you know he did it he did it all can you imagine if gene were still around on star trek at this point this episode never happens (laughs) he would have been freaking out (laughs) absolutely could you see this happening in like a another uh series with another character like I mean, data, everybody can say, well, data is a computer anyway, but could you see another humanoid having this type of episode in any of the series that we've seen so far? No, I feel like we yeah. kind of get the opposite of this in, in TNG's The Schizoid Man in season two, where mm-hmm. Dr. Ira Graves transports his consciousness into data. Yeah. Um, other than that, I, I don't think there's any other series that could do this. Right. Um, I, I agree. Certainly not with the camp, because I think it's essential. It is. The camp is very essential. And, and with today's special effects and, and how much of a, of a uh, hard drama a lot of these episodes in, in, in the current or the, the, the eight, 1980s, 90s, and 2000 Trek is, it wouldn't have fit right. I don't think it would have, it would have been really, um, it really would have been uh, blacklisted, I think. 
Yeah, no, I have to agree with you. It's funny, we look at the legacy of this episode, because, I mean, it, it lives in the hearts and minds of so many Trekkies as terrible. Um, it, actually, the, the authors of the guidebook Star Trek 101 uh, gave this the the title of worst episode of the original series. Um, and the recipients of the other shows at the time were uh, the Lorelai signal from the animated series. That was deemed the worst. Uh, Next Generation's Genesis which I don't agree with. I don't agree with that at all. That should be yeah. code of honor, hands down. <laughs> Absolutely. DS9's Profit and Lace, which I understand, but for mm-hmm. me is in a dead heat with the muse. Yep. And then Voyager's Threshold. No. I don't agree with that either. Not and not after not after my uh, reawakening of Threshold, so to speak. And then Enterprise's These Are the Voyages, which I get fans hate. It's not a great finale, but it's not a terrible episode. No, it's it really is, and I think that I think the reason that people give for why they don't like it is is just, but it's actually a pretty good episode of and the next generation. Interestingly, Ron Moore, you know, he who who has written so much great Star Trek and went on to do Battlestar Galactica and several other shows, um, once implied that he considered this episode tolerable according to Memory Alpha, but the second weakest installment of the original series after the Lights of Zatar, and I I forgot to add that to my list because that's not a great episode. Dan, are you hungry? You sound like you need that's, to eat lunch. That's, that's my Lights of Zatar impersonation for the day. Um, yeah, the Lights of Zatar is um, not great and doesn't have the campiness that Ron Moore said got you through Spock's brain. No, agreed. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the beginning of this episode, the Enterprise is following an ion drive vessel. Ion propulsion. I know, right? And like, well, wait, so is, what, is he following a TIE fighter? What's going on? <laughs> um and this lady transports herself to the bridge of the Enterprise and renders everybody almost instantly unconscious. It's kind of like being in a staff meeting with you. <laughs> Thank you. You're, you're welcome. Thank you. When everybody wakes up, they figure out Spock is missing, and McCoy urgently calls Kirk down and essentially breaks the news to him. Um, yeah, by the way, <laughs> um, here's Spock. I found him. He's, o- he's okay, except the little thing. His brain is gone. And oh, by the way, we got to find it in 24 hours. You've got him on total life support. Why is he dead? (laughs) (laughs) He was worse than dead. (laughs) How how can you be worse than dead? Uh, That's a good question. I could be living with you. Uh, Whoa. I'm sorry. Shots fired. (laughs) Um, Uh, You gave the staff meeting comment a minute ago. That's a lot better. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Carry on. (laughs) So, <laughs> it's interesting to me that they can keep him alive on that little computer for 24 hours. But I mean, in the time we see them looking for his brain, you would expect like to see some bad stuff starting to happen to Spock's body. You would think, and it's amazing that if they get down like to that one minute, I mean, if it hits zero, yeah. is that it? I mean, there's no like, you know, possibility of, yeah, I don't know, hooking him up to jumper cables or something. <laughs> and, and give him a little extra hour or something. I don't know. But it's pretty, it's pretty, if you don't do it in 24 hours, you might as well forget the whole thing. It's like, really? Where'd you come up with that number, genius? Wow. I mean, he, yeah. He's not the Vulcan guy. They should have Nabenga talking about this because he's the Vulcan doctor. Where is he anyway? I don't know. I just want to know. Um, Yeah, the 24 hours seems kind of arbitrary because, I mean, space is, I don't know if you know this, vast. Fast, very big. Um, but they figure they got to use that ion trail. And I guess, I mean, why you know, call out that it's an ion vessel if you're not going to search for the ion trail? Right. There um, you go. And they they chase it until they can't really chase it anymore. And then they essentially throw a dart and, and see, well, let's try this. Good Kirk dart. <laughs> yeah, Kirk actually kind of goes off his intuition. And I, th- that part of that scene really actually works for me. 
Oh, I think it does too. He, you know, he, he captains have intuition and they've got a gut feeling and, and he goes with it. Sigma Draconis. What do they go to? Does he go to eight or do they go to seven? I forget. Uh, seven. One, of, one of those. Yeah. Seven. Um, but I, I, I really like that scene. A, we get to see that weird angle again on the bridge. Chekhov for some reason has to feel that he needs to stand up and go over to the left side of the bridge to talk about what's going on, <laughs> which is really interesting. But I do like the fact that they talk about all of these planets could not in any way have ion propulsed spacecraft yet one of them does and kirk takes the big gamble of going to the ice age planet i just think that's fantastic it's a huge gamble and mm-hmm. i mean obviously it's kirk he's going to be right but if you stop to think about what happens if he'd been wrong oh yeah, yeah he'd have that on his on his over his head for the rest of his life i do want to point out i did not know that there was a big clock in the back of the bridge up at the top above the turbo lift doors i'm thinking because the whole time they're doing that scene, he keeps talking about how many hours Spock has left. And he looks up each time he talks about, he's got eight hours and 27 minutes. And he looks up all the time. It's kind of interesting. I never noticed that. Yeah. Check it and out. all the times I've watched it, I've never noticed that. Now I have to go back and watch it again. It's, he does it at least twice. Yeah. Damn you, Davidson. <laughs> Sorry. Although we finally see the clocks in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. And that's just a mess. <laughs> the clocks, yes. not the movie. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, that's good. So they beam down to, to, to Sigma Draconis 7, and uh, it's a little cold there. A little chilly. A little chilly. Um, Comfortable. <laughs> and they detect five large primitive humanoids. Mm-hmm. Now, I have, to, I have to confess, I have always confused the whole morgue and iMorgue and all of that stuff. So these are the morgue. Correct. Okay. They are, um, they talk about the others. Mm-hmm. Who are the givers of pain and delight? On the island and lost, yes. Um, Sorry, wrong show. Yeah, wrong show. We're talking about a good show here, (laughs) not lost. Ouch. (laughs) But, you know, Kirk kind of is kind of flummoxed. There's a word for you. Um, Because he, this morgue doesn't just understand really anything. No, not at all. Um, and then, and I I will say, you know, maybe because I'm a a bigger guy, you know, six feet, two something. They're not that big, those guys. First, no, they're they really have, not. They have big beards. Maybe that's what they were talking about. Large beards, um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> they're not even packled large. I mean, <laughs> they're not much taller than Shatner. No, correct. But whatever, it works. You know, they get the they get the skins and they get the beard and and they got you know spears and and they throw styrofoam rocks and it looks good. Now we have to take a, a pause here for a second to talk about some wardrobe choices. <laughs> what the hell oh. is up with Scotty? Okay, this was my big, big thing I was going to talk about. Why does he have his uniform top stuffed in his pants the whole episode? He's it the only look, one. It's so distracting. It's not even funny because this is one of the times you get to see he's got like the nice hair slicked back and he's doing a lot of dialogue. But that I'm not sure what was going on with that. He looks like he's put on high waters. Yes. And he looks like he's put on a cummerbund. Yes. Um, and I'm not sure why. It's like, uh, dude, you're an engineer, not a maitre d'. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is, you know, there's there's a lot of things in this episode that doesn't work. There's not a lot that I don't like about this episode. That's what I don't like. That is so distracting and looks so foolish that it, it takes, it, it really takes stuff out of different scenes. It's totally distracting. Yeah, it is. It made me wonder at one point if he was wearing Shatner's girdle. Did I say that out loud? <laughs> I, I I heard nothing. I did not hear a thing. He's not wearing Shatner's hairpiece. I mean, that's fair. That's true. Um, Shatner's wearing that. His hair looks um, wonderful, Scotty's, in this episode. 
he goes through some hair changes in this. He show. does. Oh yeah, he does. Season three, he goes for the slick back sort of and it works. gecko type wave. Yeah. Oh, um, nice. Thank you. Thank That's you. Good. It would only have been better if he'd started to do the Pike's Peak like Anson Mount. Uh, nobody can do the peak better than Pike. <laughs> That's true. I'm amazed you made it through that sentence. I alliterate. I'm, I hurt a little bit out right now. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that I think is great about about Scotty in this episode is he's talking and he's you know he's he's doing all the engineering stuff and he's talking all the ne- engineering talk. But when he's trying to pick up Spock's signal, the body shift and swing with the tricorder when he finally gets a signal, it's not like a tricorder will just pick it up and it'll be like, oh, it's this way. He's like, Whoom, got it, and <laughs> it just. It's- it, it's Can't like be. he's using divining rods. <laughs> it's, it's great. Where's the water, Scotty? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, back to the episode. Back to the episode. Sorry. They what Chekhov? Chekhov is actually pretty useful in this episode. I have to say. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not the biggest Chekhov fan. I True. love Walter. Please yep. don't send me email. Right. Um. But I've I've always felt the Chekhov character was really kind of just there and never really used effectively. Mm-hmm. Except in this episode. Yes. Um, he finds evidence of an underground city and they're like, Hey, let's go check down there. Yep. And, um, check and the two red shirts. Um, somebody at some point had to phaser a rock. It's been a while since we've done that. And it, it does a great job. This is a great phasering rock part of the episode. Yeah. And we spend a lot of time phasering that rock, you know, a lot of time. And at some time, it's interesting that in, in different scenes of the same part of this episode, same, same area, they're on the outside where it's cold. They stun somebody and it's a big green flash with a pachoo, but then they have the phaser beam to warm up the rock. Yeah. Now, couldn't they have just gone down into the underground thing and stood by the, the elevator door? Oh, their go- phasers? I would think so. And stood guard because they weren't going to worry about the uh, morgue coming out and get them. They scared them all off. Well, and I mean, last time we left people on a frozen surface of a planet, it almost didn't turn out too well for Sulu. <laughs> well, they couldn't beam him up. He would have split in two. He came back as a Sulu-sicle. <laughs> Sulu-sicle. You've been waiting all day to say that. I have. Oh, okay. <laughs> you can tell I've had my coffee today. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, you're right. Chekhov does great. It has has important scenes on the ship at the beginning when he's given the whole description of the solar system. He does a great job. He actually stands up to Kirk. Kirk is dressing him down a little bit. You're saying, I can't do that, but he can. And he's like, yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, sir. He's doing great. And then down on the planet, he's kind of in command of those red shirts, and none of them die. Well, that's what interesting. Heck? Unbelievable. Uh, maybe we should, maybe I got to rethink Chekhov here. Um, <laughs> Cause I mean, his track record so far is pretty good. He still doesn't know how to run away on an aircraft carrier cause he jumps off the edge of it. So whatever. Oh my God. What an idiot. Um, okay, okay. So let's imagine you're on the landing party. You're in the underground city with, you know, uh, with Scotty and Kirk and McCoy and Spock beam down. What's the first thought you think is going through their head once they get a look of Spock with that thing on his head? What the? He wearing. <laughs> I I, I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine seeing that happen and go. Oh, we're in trouble. Yeah, that's this is not going to end well. How many hours we got left? This is not good. <laughs> yeah, but what a what a um, what a television moment. Spock's brain is gone, yet here he is walking around like Frankenstein, like Dan Davidson, exactly. Um, and it's all because of a TV remote control, the first television remote controller. <laughs> it's, it's, I shake my head and smile just thinking about it because it's so it's so wonderfully brilliant, but it's just it's so it's so cheesy. 
It's so cheesy. And let's let's stay on the subject for just a second. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we have more to the episode. We've got to talk about this controller. Let's a, he's pressing buttons to make him walk, and then he's pressing buttons to make him turn and walk more and then turn and then stop. Yet Kirk, who is not an engineer, who has never used this controller before and probably has never read the instruction manual on said brain-working Frankenstein monster controller, knows that he can control it a certain way to get Spock to walk over to the iMorg leader, grab her wrist, <laughs> move his finger to t- press the button to get rid of the big green Frisbee pain belts. frisbee paint belts just saying a little tangent too since we're on it those big green frisbee paint belts one beautifully recreated in the wonder years in the 80s by the way but two you ever notice when shatner is getting uh what's uh shocked stunned whatever pained um and he hits the ground his back never hits the ground. He completely arches so that the back of that belt yeah. never hits. I'm mm-hmm. sure it's because it would fall apart in a heartbeat with all yep. the budget cuts. That and the other thing that I love in those scenes is they talk about how uh, McCoy said, I didn't know the human body could experience such pain. And and Kirk is like, "That's I felt like every nerve in my body was on fire. Yet the second time before Spock gets the button press release remote control action going, they're all you know, being incapacitated with this pain, but Scotty's in the back just going like this. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Like he's a hangnail. <laughs> he's, not, he's not even doing anything. Uh, I thought that was funny. And then, and McCoy's doing the same thing. He's just kind of like sitting there wincing and goes, Spock, no pain. It's like, what are you, the Horda? But, it, it, <laughs> but then, and then it all works and we get the magic controller going. So I just think it's great. <laughs> the, the thing that gets me is that this society has completely just abandoned or lost the capacity to take care of themselves. And I think that's really where the interesting thing comes into this episode. Mm-hmm. They need that brain to tell them what to do because they're just, they're lost. Yes. They, they're, 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 they're adrift. I mean, they're, they're a society with no rudder and that's what the controller does for them. And that whole concept is really kind of mind blowing. If you think about it. It really is. But on this, on the other, I, I agree with everything you're saying. But on the other hand, one of the things that I find disappointing with this episode, but I have to remember the time that it was made. This is an extremely sexist episode yeah. to me to the nth degree. It you is. have women that without the help of the teacher are idiots and can't, don't know anything. And they have completely. They're completely talked down upon. I think. Mm-hmm. I think that the way that the dialogue goes with Kirk and 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 McCoy is is rather is rather kind of cheap, um, and it it doesn't really do any justice to to what we deal with today. And I think 100%. today this episode would be completely ripped to shreds, justifiably, just on that basis. Um, and that's all I have to say about that. You're not wrong. I agree with you 100%. Um, I mean, we can say that about many episodes in the original oh, series. Oh, absolutely. Um, and and it would be just as, as deservedly so then. You know, when we talk about episodes like this and how much we love them, it's really through the lens of kind of when we watched it as, as kids in the 70s or appreciation for yep. the work that went into it. Obviously, there are elements that we find distasteful now. Right. And you're 100% right to call that out. And I'm in complete agreement. Yeah, and and you know some people might say, well, you know the 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 morgue up on the planet's surface don't have any idea to. No, sorry, it's not nearly as as bad as as the way that the 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 females of the of the species are portrayed in this episode. Now, the other thing that is kind of 
I don't know if I'm right or wrong in this. I want to get your opinion. When she does put on the teacher, she's smart. And for a minute, she's nice. But then she turns into a total... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And isn't going to let anything happen. And that, again, makes them look bad, I think. I, I don't disagree. Yeah. Um, I think that it's wrought with peril because you get both extremes of it. You either get the brain and brain. What is brain? Mm -hmm. Which makes them look completely stupid. Yep. Or you get the total totalitarian, you know, um, aspect of it. It's, it's either extreme. There's no balance. The controller will stay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's no balance that shows that this society can find its way back to self-governance. Correct. And no, I agree that the completely problematic. Okay. Oh, um, good. I'm glad we agree on that. Oh, me too. <laughs> so much. You are smart. You make things go. Yeah, brain, brain. What is brain? So Kirk comes to the realization that, well, wait a second. Wait, hold on a minute. If they could take the brain out, they probably could put it back in. I'm thinking. You would think. I, I would. Um, I don't do that very often. No, not very often. <laughs> and that's kind of when they realize, well, how did these people do that? And that's when they come about the, the teacher. The teacher. Kara's teacher. Yep. Which kind of looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for this one. Um, it it kind of looks like a giant colander <laughs> with all kinds of needles stuck in it. Um, and it, it's really kind of an odd contraption looking at it on McCoy's head and the look on his face like. Yeah. And then when he starts uh, grimacing in pain, that's pretty good too. Yeah, that is. Um, it, I, I wish that prop still existed because that belongs at the original series set tour up in Ticonderoga. Oh, absolutely. Do, do we know if it's been destroyed? If it's maybe around somewhere? I would imagine it has been. I, you know, like a lot of things, I'm sure they were fairly disposable. Yeah. But uh, just as a as a prop, it's a beautiful piece of work. It really is. And and you're right. I'm looking at it right now, too, and it, it does look like a colander, a very big colander. That's a lot of spaghetti in that colander. Um, <laughs> but with stuff, like, jammed in the holes. But it would have been cool, you know, when they did the remaster, if there was some kind of, like, electric impulses, like, going into McCoy's head. Like, those, yeah. you know, those balls that you press, you put your finger on, and the lightning goes up to your finger. That would have been cool if they had done that in the remastering. But that's okay that they didn't. Well, I kind of like that they didn't because it said that, you know, kind of it probably works at a higher level. Mm -hmm. um, and then the thing we learn is that there's a time limit on that knowledge. What is it with time limits in the show? <laughs> and they're so arbitrary. Very. And and, and they were wrong about this one because it goes quick. <laughs> it goes real quick. Real well, it makes quick. you wonder, how long does it take to put somebody's brain back in their body? I would think it takes, it takes at least an hour. We <laughs> we have no idea how long that the crew was out for. Well, we kind of do, but we don't really. Mm -hmm. Um, so we have to assume that they were out for hours before they realized Spock was gone. Couldn't you just? I'm, I'm kind of gonna throw in a Breaking Bad callback right now. All right. Oh, okay. Couldn't they just have like beamed his brain out? Brain out. You know, I don't like know. They did with the tulaberry pies and Chekhov's stomach, but then Chekhov's <laughs> stomach got burnt, beamed out into space. I, I don't know. Uh, which is a fitting end for that character, <laughs> quite frankly. Um, well, I guess, yeah, but then it probably ruins the connections. Oh, I understand. Yeah, it's just a little, little attempt at Vulcan human there, I guess. Uh, but, I mean, who knows? Hmm. I mean, the teacher is all-knowing, but it makes me wonder where the teacher got this knowledge, because right. Spock's, Spock's part Vulcan. You get those how-to books. <laughs> uh, brain surgery for dummies. That's what it came from. You remember those Time Life how-to books for home improvement in the 80s? Yes. yes. 
Uh, I got I a whole know. bunch of them downstairs. I never read them. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. Um, but I mean, where did it amass this knowledge from? How well, long has it been amassing knowledge? That's one of the questions that I have for the continuance of this episode. Obviously, things end on a good note with Kara and Luna and, and all the other iMorgs and the morgues are going to work together. They're going to build the society. This computer is a wealth of information. And I'm surprised that we never hear whether or not they ever get into the Federation. That knowledge is that knowledge is along the lines of, of what discovery found. Uh, I can't think the of sphere the data, the yeah. sphere data. It really is. When you think about it on that scale, telling you, being able to have someone who has no, intelligence it appears be able to do surgery on an alien and remove their brain and put it into the giant um working space on their planet i mean that's a little bit of information that you probably can use later on down the road it's pretty staggering i think that's the one downfall for this episode is we don't find out what happens after exactly we get the punchline at the end we go to the end credits and the episode works in that regard but uh, it's kind of like well what now? Do they just leave him and say, all right, see you guys later. Thanks yeah. for putting his brain back. Yeah, exactly. It would have been great if they ended this episode kind of like they did the old The Police Squad uh, TV show. Like at the end, the credits <laughs> come on and everybody's supposed to be frozen, but they're really not. So maybe like an IV and Spock would start spilling over or so. that would have been pretty funny. But because of the campiness of the episode, but I digress. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't remember seeing Spock hooked up to any blood or anesthesia. Nothing at all. No you anesthesia. Know, and of course, he's talking through the procedure. Yep. Yes. I, yes. It's just great when he's fixing his vocal cords. It's scratchy, but then all of a sudden, it's good. He 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 hit the right nerve or something like that. I thought that was quite funny. So many things they're <laughs> ah. unsettling about that surgical procedure. Ah. <laughs> Very good, doctor. It's like listening to you when you wake up in Vegas. <laughs> you do the same exact thing. <laughs> Shh. Happens in Vegas, stays in Vegas. No, it never does. <laughs> it never does. Oh. Um, it's I, I like this experience for McCoy. I mean, we can talk about the camp of the episode. We can talk about what works and what doesn't. But McCoy, uh, to employ a pun, really gets kind of a teachable moment here. Um, he gets to experience procedure that is so far beyond mm-hmm. what he could do with current medicine in in the original series that it's got to be kind of mind-blowing to him knowing that he was able to do this that and he understands before he even puts the teacher on how important it could be for humanity and mankind he could retain this knowledge and help so many people and he actually talks about that before he puts on the teacher knowing the possible risk so that's a good moment for him but then you're absolutely right he's got this knowledge he does it but then he forgets it and he starts yeah. forgetting it right in the middle of the procedure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, ouch, that's a real kick to the groin. Can you imagine having that realization in the middle where it's like, uh, uh. What's this? Guys, yeah. um, I, I got some bad news. Um, I don't know how to do this anymore. Can we fire up that teacher thing again? And, and why is there nobody watching McCoy the entire time? Because this is so important. Kirk and Kara go off chit-chatting about things, and Cod- Scotty's just kind of watching around, looking around, and then all of a sudden he looks at McCoy, who's like... <sighs> Fumbling, yeah. Captain, he's forgetting! It's like, oh boy, nobody was watching. Why didn't? Why wasn't Chekhov and the security team down there at that point? <laughs> you know what Kirk and Kara were doing, let's be honest. <laughs> All right. Wow. It's okay. season three. 
<laughs> Kirk was being Kirk in season three. Goodness gracious. Hello. <laughs> um, he was hot for teacher. Hello. <laughs> Very nice. You know what else is interesting? Spock was wearing the same uniform he was wearing in this side of paradise, I think, too. Yeah, that the jumper. Four episode. Yeah, he must have really had fun in that jumper. <laughs> Not half as much fun as Kirk did. Ba-boom. Hello. Bang. Um, Trek Geeks will be here all week. One thing that worked in this and the campiness that actually worked, because a lot of times we see on the bridge that when they're getting hit, they sh- they go to one side and then they go to the other side and the camera tilts. The elevator scene works perfectly. That yes. door shuts and they all like kind of like bend their knees a little bit. And then the camera is just vibrating as they're going. That looks like they're really going down into the planet's core with that particular scene. I thought it was great. No, I agree with that. It works so much better than it does when uh, when Kirk goes to the... Um the, the prison colony with Dr. Helen Noel, the episode's escaping me. Uh, Dagger of the Mind. Um, oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Where they drop and she <laughs> yeah. just sort of like falls into his arms and stuff like that. <laughs> All right. So serious question for you now. Okay. Uh, off the top of my head, you've not had this question in advance. Let's say you encounter the teacher. What knowledge would you want? Deep question. Oh, my. Yeah. Um, what would you want to know how to do? Cure cancer. Wow. All That's cancer. That's a big one. Yeah. F cancer. We've all yeah. lost people to it. I lost my dad to it. Yeah. That would probably, that and maybe the winning Powerball numbers. I'm real, one of those two things. <laughs> Unselfish, selfish. Can I get one of each? Okay, no, I'll grant that. <laughs> okay, I'll there we go. That. Yeah. All right. Uh, f- uh, for me, I-, I have to agree with you on the cancer thing. I, I really, I'd say all disease. Yes. Um, even if I just had to scribe it all out, kind of like Benny Russell, oh you know, my. on the walls of the oh, asylum. Oh, that would take a while. Um, yeah, but if I got the teacher on, maybe I could write it out real fast. And then um, on the selfish side, um, algebra. Because <laughs> I still can't figure out how letters and numbers oh, go together. It's okay, like alchemy. So that's not really being selfish, dude. That Because, you know, Powerball, winning millions of dollars, that's selfish, but I'd give a lot of it away. But algebra? Y equals MC squared, baby. No, E equals MC squared, idiot. (laughs) A squared plus B squared equals C squared. That's the Pythagorean theorem. That's, I was going to call it the hypotenuse, but I got that wrong too. (laughs) He'll be here all week. I'm having so much fun. (laughs) See how this (laughs) this episode puts me in a good mood. I mean, wearing my NCC 1701 shirt today. You are. I'm wearing my Truck Geeks Mission Chicago shirt. There we go. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Um, I I just, I'll never understand the hate this episode gets. I really don't. I don't know. I, 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 there is also one other thing that I will never understand. We talked What's about that? how the, the females are kind of, are, are kind of cast poorly in this, but I got to say Luna's as dumb as a rock. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she looks like she has been smoking some serious amounts of weed before the scenes were filmed. Her eyes are all over the place. <laughs> well, and honestly, it, it's 1968. That's possible. <laughs> Eating some mushrooms before the action. I don't. I don't know. I'm just. I'm, I. I don't mean to be mean to Luna, but she is. She is. It is. She is kind of a. Um, uh, she's well cast. Well, yeah, well cast. Yeah. Uh, whew, she's how boy. I don't. I, I don't know what would happen if they put the teacher on her. It might shut itself off and say nope. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what it would do to me. Let's be honest. <laughs> That's, yeah. yeah. And they'd go and they'd do it to me, and they'd be like, "Man, there's a lot of room in there. Let's just." Film full of information, which basically is an insult to myself, which I thought that you might appreciate. No, I, I do. I do. I was just going to let it by. <laughs> I was going to, it's like talking to your picture in the middle of a no hitter. I just wasn't going to acknowledge it. <laughs> yes. This Very episode nice. probably has the best episode ending punchline of all of them. Yes, it really does. 
Um, others try. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, I never should have reconnected his mouth yep. with Kirkman. Well, we took the risk, Doctor. Right. Um, it, it, it laughs just enough at itself as sort of a wink and a nod to the camera going, yeah, we know. And then, and then Spock's looks at McCoy and then just keeps talking. Yep. <laughs> it's just, it, it really is good. Um, it kind of reminds me the way that, that Spock just runs on and on and on about what he's learned and stuff like that kind of reminds me of the episode of, uh, TNG, um, when, uh, the crew's down on the planet, uh, Starship Mine, um, when, when, uh, Hutch, it just, and Data just keep talking about nothing. It just kind of reminded me that a little bit about that. Kind of like you, um, you keep uh, talking well, about I've nothing been, all I, the time. I know, but it's just so much fun. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so Spock's brain. Love it. I, I will I, always love this episode. I just have to say. I want to challenge some of our listeners, whether they're Patreons or not. If they're Patreons, let us know on our Patreon page what you think. If you dislike the uh, Spock's brain, first of all, because we love him, listen to the Mission Log podcast episode that they did about Spock's brain, like Bill did to give him better appreciation. And then after listening to us talk about it and the things we love and the humor and the campiness and the good science fiction messages, watch it again and tell us if your mind has changed. That's happened to me so many times on the podcast, man, where we've talked about an episode that I didn't like. I've gone back and I've loved it. Up the, uh, not up the long ladder. No, um, <laughs> no, because I hate no, that episode. No, that episode. Um, uh, the, the second Shap episode. Uh, move along home. Move along home. That, that's one that comes to mind. Um, I'd be interested to see if there's any people who don't like it. Listen to what we have to say. Listen to what other people like Mission Log have to say. And if they have a different appreciation for it afterwards, I'd really be interested. I would too. I mean, you know, time changes a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, look at it for, for next gen. You know, I, I was not a fan the first couple of seasons, right. you know, and by season three, it really had grown into its own thing. And if I look back at it now, seasons one and two really are not that bad. They're actually pretty decent. They are pretty decent. And and on a small little tangent, I don't know if anybody has watched this week. Of course, New York Comic Con was this past weekend. The cast of Picard Season 3 did a video recently where they thank the fans. And Jonathan Frakes gets uh, gets on camera and he's talking his thanks. And he actually says, thanks for everybody sticking with us through Season 1 and 2. And, th- and it was after Season 3 where it really took off. And he, ap- he appreciates the fact yeah. that Season 1 and 2 were not all that awesome. So... It's it's not just you, man. <laughs> no, it's not. But I mean, in hindsight, there are some really great stories. In there are fantastic seasons. ones, yeah. But it's taken me time and hindsight to look at those and go, you know what? I actually learned quite a bit from this. From Spock's brain, I actually learned quite a bit. You know, mm-hmm. you talk about a society that has forgotten how to take care of itself. And in many ways, I think we're there in 20th, 21st century, you know, life. Yep. Uh, there's many things that, that we've just forgotten how to do or how to be. And I don't mean this to be a political statement. I'm just talking about society in general. Right. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's sad. We could, we could use a teacher or two, quite frankly, um, because it's, it, it's scary what we've become even in just the last 20 years. And every day it seems to get worse and worse nowadays. So we got to look for that positive side of things. And as usual, Star Trek allows me to do that. So that's another reason why I'm happy with this. I, I love the line when McCoy's like, he's trying to thread a needle with a sledgehammer. That's how we feel sometimes in today's society. Um, but we know that it's going to get better based on what we see with these type of shows, which makes me love them all that much more, man. Well, you know, it, it just, it, it provides more context and, and hindsight into how brilliant some of these stories were. They may seem kind of ridiculous, mm-hmm. but when you think about them as commentary on society, which is really what science fiction has always done, and Star right. Trek in particular, mm-hmm. it's 
it, it's really kind of smacks you in the face. And I, I appreciate that now in 2022, whereas in 2002, I don't think I would have. Oh, absolutely. I agree with that. And of course, when I was watching this as a, as a, as a preteen in the seventies, of course, never entered my mind whatsoever. It was just entertainment. But now that we ha- now that we're older and we have different views on how things are in life, um, whether we become wiser or not wiser, this, these type of episodes have all that much more meaning to us, I think. And I think that's important. I happen to agree. Nice. That happens every once in a while, and I appreciate it. Well, you know, it's, I figured I'd be nice to you today. You deserve it. Well, and then there's always tomorrow. Well, Dan, that is going to conclude our look at Spock's brain. Um, brain and brain was brain. A fine episode of Star Trek, if ever there was one. Absolutely. I'm so glad we had the discussion. It makes me want to watch it again and again. I just want to get one of those remote controller things and one of those cool like head things so I can put it on you and make you walk right into the middle of a train track, buddy. That would be just awesome, wouldn't it? No, it would. I'm not I'm running just a septic that- tank. <laughs> uh, um, I hope that everyone else can have a greater appreciation for Spock's brain now that we've had this conversation because it just really is a, a fun episode of TOS. It is. And I don't know if you noticed, Dan, but in this here episode of Trek Geeks, Mm. all of the music bumps that we used in between breaks were all from the Spock's Brain album by Five Year Mission. We love the band. The fact that they've got a Spock's Brain album alone should be a clue for you that this is a fantastic episode of Star Trek. Um, All their songs inspired by Star Trek, the original series. How can you go wrong? So get out to fiveyearmission.net, get that Spock's Brain album in your hands and all of their other CDs because you are going to love their music, Dan. You know the thing that's really cool about the cover of the Spock's Brain album by Five Year Mission? What's that, Dan? You actually get to see something that you don't see the entire episode of Spock's Brain, and that is Spock's Brain. (laughs) You get to see more brain in the Gamesters of Triskelion. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so I got to say, though, man, you know, space is big. It's lots of territory. You know what I'm saying? You, you got the Borg and the Kazon and all those oh, yeah. other folks way out there in the Delta Quadrant. And mm-hmm. you have the Karama, as we saw in last week's Lower deck, uh, lower Decks, as well as the Founders and the Dominion over there in the Gamma Quadrant. And it seems that they all want to be here where we are. Along with the Vulcans and, and the Andorians and the, and the best damn percussionists in the entire galaxy. I mean, I got to say, no one, no one plays the drums better than those that are here in the Alfark Quadrant. So, boom, boom, just like that percussion, it's just, mm, that's why they want to be here. I, I, I want to clarify. Did you just rimshot your own Farkism? Well, I wasn't trying to, but it was percussion, and I did a percussion, and it just happened to come out that way, like Kevin in the office, and I'm sorry. I can only hope that you get another cease and desist, um, because I, now- I didn't saying anything. It doesn't matter. You're playing- They don't own the rim shot. No, but you're playing drums in a, in a, while talking about five-year mission. That automatically- That could be viewed as an escalation. Do you see any drums here in this here camera? Uh, air, dr- no. air, you played air drums. Oh, well, and okay. You, well, I, and you did a uh, rim shot very poorly, I might add. I I never said I was very good at a, at a rim shot, um, but it is the Alfark quadrant. I got to say, we haven't even talked. You haven't even brought that up yet. You just I'm all, getting there. All, uh, I'm getting there. <laughs> um, I, I'm, really, I'm really concerned because the only quadrant you didn't bring up is Beta. Well, I, uh, Romulans. Eh. Well, I mean. Eh. 
Starfleet is, is really kind of on the edge. They kind of uh, straddle uh, two quadrants, dude. They live it on the edge. That's all right. I, I didn't want to bring, you know, I, I felt that I was taking up a lot of our time with, with the Farkism, but obviously that's not the case because we've been rambling on about it for the last several minutes. But anyway, I, I, was, I, was, I was here. I was here for the podcast. That's what I'm saying. Really? You finally decided to show up this week? When's that happen? <laughs> Al Fark Quadrant. Oh, my God. Mm, Are you even one. trying? Oh, that was a good one. I gotta say. Are you even trying? I thought of that in the shower. Yeah. I'm not surprised. <laughs> Don't forget, you too can support it. Fiveyearmission.net. Yeah. Please buy their CDs. Uh, make Dan stop doing Farkisms. Please. Never happen. Oh, God. I hate you. Ever. Don't forget, of course, you too can support the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to us on Patreon. Dan, we have such a great community over on Patreon. So many wonderful Star Trek fans whose generosity has helped grow this network into what it is today. Um, And we honestly couldn't have done it without them. We absolutely could not have. And we are so humbled by the support that we get uh, from all of these people. It really is something that we never expected. And, and our, uh, we are just so thankful. Uh, and I got to say, as a Patreon member, you get all kinds of perks. You get you get T-shirts, you know, unedited shenanigans of, of Bill and I, um, plus pins. And we did just post the artwork for our latest Patreon pin the other day. And uh, it was pretty awesome. And if you're a Patreon, you'd be able to see that. I'm glad you self-corrected yourself when reading the copy. When you came to t-shirts, just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't even look at the copy. That was all off the top of my head, to be honest with you. Oh, man. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, as you were. <laughs> but right now, if Bill would stop interrupting me. So right now, if Bill would stop interrupting me, I'm going to take a moment to uh, thank our associate producers for Trek Geek. <laughs> It's all staying in. Just stop trying. No, no, you, no, 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 no. Uh, okay, let's try to. No, it is. So right now, ladies and gentlemen, we would like to take a moment to thank our associate producers for Trek Geeks. Uh, we are so grateful for their support. And they are Vikram Bhatt, Brad DeMag, William Edward M. Jr., Patrick Escudero, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Jonathan Hamilton, Peter Hong, William Jackson, Ryan Jeffs, John Krikorian, Sean Lynn, Rick Mason, Jamie McGregor, Ross McKinney, Jim McMahon, Aaron Mollenkoff, Helen Reed. Sarah Rutlinger, Desi Rogers, Greg Rozier, Eric Sakian, Adam Sanders, Tim Serdar, Heather Sohn, goodness gracious me, Blake Strike, Rick Tatro, Lisa Tomlinson, Ron Robel, and the gracious and wonderful Connie Hutchins. I didn't know we had a new patron named Gracious Me. I, that's pretty awesome. What a great Very lineage nice. for family name. That's that's amazing. Well, Dan, of course, we also want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are Mike Bovia, Steve Bovia. Chaz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Andy Davenport, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Casey Pettit, Jamie Rogers, Major Self, Casey Shafsky, Terry Shull, Jim Stoffel, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, she's on time, by the way, and the <laughs> lovely and talented Jess Vashon. Dan, the senior mm. producer of Trek Geeks is is the one and only Hmm. Jude Tatman. Boom. Jude in the house. Jude is awesome. The only senior producer that this show will ever have in its entirety forever and ever. Amen. Uh, You too can become a producer on the Trek Geeks podcast network, and it is so easy to do. Head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. Of course, for more great Star Trek discussion, we want everyone to check out the other member podcasts here on the network. Dan, so many fantastic Mm. shows, all Mm. created by passionate fans 
who just want to celebrate Star Trek and Gene's vision. Of course, you can find all our podcasts in the free Trek Geeks mobile app or get a link to download to your favorite podcast player by visiting trekgeeks.com slash listen. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network. No one talks Trek like we do. That sounded very serious. And of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 293 of the Trek Geeks Podcast. Seven away from 300. We hope you all live long and prosper. Coconut, coconut. What is coconut? It's that thing I'm about to smash against your head. Ouch. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Greetings to you, Daniel, and bing to the bong. Bing to the bong. Yo. No, don't do that. Oh, you look, sorry. Well, no, you went bing looks, to the, so I thought that that was all right to do. I'm sorry. No, no, that's never all right to do. All right. Bing bong. That, that's much better. I love it when you're defeated. <laughs> <It's>, oh, <laughs> bing bong. <sighs> Kill Spock. Bing bong. No, it came to Buckmore, did it? <laughs> oh, my God. It actually wow. may have been why you and I go to Vulcan. Possibly. <laughs> but it's, it's quite possible. With I you and know. I, that is quite possible. So it is, I went yeah. to the uh, the chiropractor this afternoon. Hmm. And I came to a realization on the way okay. home. Oh, boy. And this was after I was cut off by a state DOT pickup truck. Oh, boy. And that is if my dash camera footage ever needs to be used for something... Its soundtrack will essentially be me singing along to 80 songs at the top of my lungs or swearing at other drivers. And I did both in this particular instance. What song was it? It was uh, Don't Want to Fall in Love by Jane Child. Oh, my goodness gracious. I love that. When that song comes on, I can guarantee my radio will suddenly be at an absurdly loud volume. (laughs) That's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. Some of the things that come out of my mouth when I'm driving aren't very, not very meant for uh, young ears. Dude, because, some of the things that come out of your mouth are, when we record. Oh, well, yes. Well, that's true. But drivers are just so awful. That just, uh, I, I keep saying to Sue, I said, you know what? If I could be James Bond and just have a license to kill for one day, the roads would be so much better. <laughs> wow, it's got dark. Yeah. It did, but that's how I feel. The drive people drive, and I will tell you, I, I I don't know if I've talked about this before on the podcast, but I'll tell people now. New Hampshire had a hands-free law that went into effect several years ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The weekend it actually went into effect, we were driving to the camp from Maine, so I had my Maine plates in my car. We had the kids, had the dogs. 
we were, I don't even know what town we were in, at a red light. Belmont. My, brother, my brother-in-law texted me. I looked at my phone and I typed, be there in half an hour. And I got pulled over and was given a ticket the first weekend that the hands-free law went into effect, even though I was at a red light and stopped. You should see the amount of people we see texting on a daily basis on the highway going high rates of speed. It drives me effing crazy. I always thought it was ludicrous that New Hampshire enacted a hands-free law when I co- when they did, I compiled the list and posted it to Facebook. I'll have to find it. The things I have actually witnessed people doing in traffic on the highway. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to things I expect to see like shaving, you know, with a, yeah. with an electric razor or yeah. applying makeup, I have literally seen people um, eating with chopsticks. <laughs> I, I'm not lying. I've seen people painting their toenails with their feet up on the dashboard. Unbelievable. Yeah, it just, but that's technically not distracted driving. Right. Yep. Yeah, I was at a, I was not moving. I was at a stop, a, a stoplight. And it, I, five second text, put it down. The state cop was on the other side of the road and he immediately swung around and pulled me over. And I literally had no idea. And I'm usually, I, I appreciate police. I, I know that they put up a lot. I was very nice to the guy. This cop was a dick. I'm like, sir, I'm, I'm just kind of curious what, what, what happened? Oh, you were using your phone, license and registration now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he only made an example of you because you had out of state plates at the time. Egg, that is exactly right. Yep. So, but whatever. So, but I mean, we see, we see it so much and it's, it's aggravating that I was at a stoplight and got a ticket, but we see it all the time going 75, 80 miles an hour on the highway. It's just, it's ridiculous. So which Britney Spears would you be singing at the top of your lungs in the car? Ooh. Oh, hit me one more time is always the, one of the one that was my go-to, but I do like the, uh, um, I do like, oh, what's it called? I can't think of it. Um, I, I got to look up the songs. I can't think Toxic. of the name of it right now. No, not Toxic. I love um, Toxic. It's a newer one. Uh, I can't think of the name of it, but it's it's a pretty good one. If if there are such things, right, Bill? I was going to say, that, <laughs> that seems like it might be an oxymoron. Oh, <laughs> uh, I can't think of the name of it. It was a newer one of hers. Um, uh, and the video like takes place during Armageddon or something like that. It's kind of weird. I'll think of it at some point. It would have to till be Armageddon. Till, till the world ends, actually. It's Never heard of like. it. Okay. Fine with I, that. I won't sing it for you. Which Michael Jackson song would you be singing at the top of your lungs? That's going to so be a hard many. one. Bad is always one that I like. Thriller is always a good one. Uh, Man in the Mirror is, even though it's a slow song, it's some good. Make that just, change. Yeah. Shaman. That's the first time that that the phrase was actually used in a Michael Jackson song. Is it, it really? I find that hard I to think believe. So. I really think it is. Yeah. It might be bad though. Bad might be the one first. Yeah, I think that's bad. All I can think of is uh, the Weird Al version <laughs> of Bad which Fat, is, which is which is very good too. Weird Al, that funny, funny man. Funny, and Harry, funny po- man. Harry Potter. Harry Potter is now playing him in a movie. So, <laughs> I Daniel Radcliffe. Just, I I just I I don't know what to do with this information. I I know Daniel Radcliffe is playing the title in the movie Weird Al. He's playing the title character. He's playing Weird Al Yankovic. First, the fact that there's a Weird Al movie is... <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think anybody expects this to be Bohemian Rhapsody. You know, I won't see it. Or um, or Coal Miner's Daughter, rest in peace, mm. Loretta Lynn. Rest um, in peace, yes, uh, I don't think anybody expects that level of it, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it'll be entertaining. Uh, okay. I, I did not know until yesterday with the unfortunate passing of Loretta Lynn that Crystal Gale was her sister. 
I'd never do that. Just found uh, yeah. out yesterday. Absolutely. Yep. Don't it make my brown eyes blue? Nah, yeah, it does. Because um, uh, we were talking about it. Uh, Sue and I were talking about Eddie Rabbit the other night. Mm-hmm. And she played a song uh, with Crystal Gale, and then Loretta Lynn died, and she said, oh, did you know that, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, nope, I had no idea. I did. Do you know that my wife went out on Halloween when she was a kid as Eddie Rabbit? I think you told me that a long time ago. No. Nah. Um, yep. I, I I would love to see pictures of this. I just, I really would. I would love to also, but I won't. But I will show you pictures of what we're doing this year because we got them yesterday. Oh, no. I said it was going to happen. Okay. Doug Jones is going to be very happy. Oh, God. Uh, I am going to be Billy Butcherson, and my darling, beautiful bride is going to be Winifred Sanderson. Well, you already look dead, so that's fine. <laughs> but uh, now, you'll have to educate me because I don't, I'm not going to watch Hocus Pocus. I have no interest. Which one is Winifred? Bette Midler. Okay, I could see her so the, rocking the, that. The big hair. Yeah. The, we got the gown yesterday. The gown looked pretty nice. Um, the big wig. I'm trying to talk her into doing the teeth, but I don't know if I'm going to get that far. But uh, my costume is actually coming in from Amazon, so it should be here in a couple days. Did you watch the second movie? Not yet. Yeah. I wasn't I haven't sure. had a chance to. I wasn't sure. Because yeah, I, I thought I, I, that knowing oh, how I, much of a fan you are, the first oh, yeah. one, I figured you'd be dialed in the day it was released. And I would love to, but unfortunately, I just don't have the schedule to do it. Dressed in your Hocus Pocus pajamas and... <laughs> um, Drinking out of my Hocus Pocus wine glass, maybe? No, I thought I figured you'd have chocolate milk with a with one of those swirly straws. I don't do that. Since what? Speaking of chocolate milk, you want to hear a funny what? story? We're going to go on another tangent, but it is Disney related. I can't wait. I have a tradition in Disney. The only okay. time this happens anywhere, anywhere on the planet, when we're in Disney, I always get a Nestle quick chocolate milk to drink. Why? I don't know, but it's only in Disney. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the weirdest thing? It's been, I've been doing it for 20 years. <laughs> I was waiting for you to tell me. I've been doing it since I was five. Uh, no. Or, <laughs> you know, I had a really great bonding moment with my insert family member here over, uh, over some Nestle quick. No, nope. I just, one day you got some Nestle Quick. It was probably to combat heartburn. I don't um, know. It started at the Living with the Land restaurant uh, at Epcot, and we would go there for breakfast every every trip, and, and we would get, like, uh, hard-boiled eggs and something else and some and some breakfasty stuff, and I'd get a, a Nestle Chocolate Quick, and it has, like, evolved over the years to, it's the only time that I will get a Nestle Chocolate Quick is at Disney, but I always do it. I I have no words. <laughs> Just strange things. Usually, Stranger things. Now available on Netflix. I, let's not plug anything on Netflix. I mean, <laughs> we have an entire network and, and there's Star Trek. So um, I, I've only been to Disney twice, both times in 2014. Mm-hmm. And when I discovered that you could get booze in Epcot, I was done. Yes. I was, I was very, very happy. You can get booze in Magic uh, Animal Kingdom now? Uh, yeah. I and think Magic I might be able to. I think you can in every park, as a matter of fact. Not 100% sure on that. Um, but I'll find out uh, when I go in eight weeks. I know you can get it if you do the uh, the Beauty and the Beast dinner at, at that. Uh, yes. At that themed restaurant. Which is uh, Be Our Guest. That's Which we did. Which we did. And um, interesting environment. Not worth the money. Did in you put opinion. their magic to the test? I did try the gray stuff, and I got to tell you, it was delicious. Good to know. My lasting memory of Beauty and the Beast was working for Pizza Hut in the 90s. Okay. And they were giving out these sort of 
uh, kind of vinyl Beauty and the Beast hand puppets each week, which were stupid. They were the dumbest <laughs> thing ever. And my drivers had to deliver those things because I was a shift oh supervisor at the time. I was in my early 20s. And um, it just, it was, it was ridiculous. I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was only until this year that my sister and brother-in-law actually saw the animated Beauty and the Beast for the very first time this year. They had never seen it. Huh. I'm, I'm stunned by that. Really? Uh, yeah, I was stunned as well. Yep, absolutely. In, but, you know, she's also the same person that thought Alex Trebek was in, you know, yeah, that's Star true. Trek. So, Well, not anymore. Um, sister's, sister's done. When I went to <laughs> <laughs> when I went to Magic Kingdom in 2014, they have the Little Mermaid ride now. I actually, mm. after going on that ride, I remembered how much I loved the Little Mermaid, and then I bought it on DVD. Okay. And now I can't wait for the new, the live action version of Little Mermaid, because I think that's going to be pretty great. I think it's going to be pretty awesome. And I love seeing the a-holes in the world having their heads explode uh, the, with the trailer. The only downside to the live action Little Mermaid is that there can't be any Rene Aubergenois. Oh, God. Yeah, that's true. Because he does that's the voice true. of the chef in the anime. I'll do, I'll do the voice of the chef for him. No, you are not Rene Aubergenois. I'm not saying I am, but everybody else. You're an idiot. You just I you know. really are I, an idiot. I, it's just my way. I found a I found a Lego piece from my phaser rifle. I saw an eagle. <laughs> I got one of these little ones. It's That's an extra great. piece, though. That's it great. Man. It, it's not like I'm missing any pieces on my phaser rifle, which is right over there that you know of. Yeah, that I. Oh no, I know. I shellac that thing in glue when I'm done with it. Do you really? <laughs> no, I would like oh. to. So stuff doesn't fall off, but that's all right. I got to tell you, we're gonna we're gonna do a little blue bricks plugging right now. Blue bricks, blue bricks, blue bricks, blue bricks. Blue bricks. Um, I got. I think I might have actually talked about it last week. Their customer support is just as good as their product. On the phaser rifle, which you don't actually see in the movies, there's a there's a there's a little like handle in the front that you can like bring down. It's on a hinge, so you yeah. can hold it with. And I've put it all together, but the the piece on my hinge is a little stretched, and you can tell that it's got a little. Uh, That's what it's she like said. It's going to break. It's, yeah, it's going to break. So I emailed their customer service. They have already sent in the mail, which I should get any day now, replacement for it from Germany, all the way from Germany. That's fantastic. Yeah. Free of charge. Well, probably yeah. cost fifty times more to ship it than the actual piece cost. <laughs> well, and I'm sure they're getting a break on shipping because they ship all the time, but. Right, so um, I'm ready no. to place my next order. I already have. I know, I know. I have. I, I I'm gonna. I'm. I'm doing it. I'm getting the runabout. The euro's at its lowest point in 20 years. Yeah. Um. You. It saves you an additional like 30 bucks. Yeah. Yep. Runabout's available. Unfortunately, the Defiant's not ready yet because that's what I'm gonna get. But uh, that runabout, the inside, the runabout detail is absolutely unbelievable. I saw that. Uh, I think it was was it Alex Perry who did the review of it? Somebody did. Uh, and it was. I know Trekcore posted. Awesome. It. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think that's what I'm gonna get next. I'm surprised you can get the Deep Space Nine. I don't have any. I, I don't have anything for that big. It's so big and round. I have no place that I could put it. Otherwise, I would get it. I just don't have any place where I'd be able to display. It, it would be down in the basement, and that would be. That'd be dumb. I dumb. That means Face I'd be is in the dumb. all day. So where you belong? Hey, 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 hey! Now it's your birthday. No, <laughs> no, not <laughs> well, anymore. It's it was. It was. was. So happy birthday uh, a few days Thank ago. You. It's uh, Thank you. welcome to the fifty-three club, my friend. It's uh, it's good to be here. Yeah, um, of course. In my age, it's good to be anywhere. Hello. Oh, boom, boom. 
All right, jerk, you ready? Can we can we do this, please? I've been waiting for you. You've just been blathering on for 15 minutes. I haven't talked to you in a day. <laughs> You'll get over it. Lord knows I enjoyed it the hell out of it. But anyway, I mean, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Coconut!